Sizzle, sizzle, sizzle. One, Sounds two, good. three. We got you three, could count. two, one. You could count. Can't right. go, uh, I any got higher stuff. Than that. <laughs> there you go. Mics are hot. That's the stuff. We, that's the numbers when we were right. at your board. So how many how many titles do you technically now have, Jim? Jeez. You're the interim county deputy so, director. The- um, depends on how far you want to go down to, to some of the descriptions. Planning and zoning, uh, planning director, zoning administrator. Along with that uh, is floodplain administrator. Um, I am now interim deputy county administrator and interim water and sewer director. You're also the temporary IT guy for meetings. Yeah, I yeah, guess you so. do that. You do, yeah, you do all the Zoom meetings. You're also our tour guide. Tour guide, oh, yeah. too. Yeah, yeah, true. yeah, yeah. So, true. so, so today's today is, today is Green County. The voices you are hearing is Dale Herring and Jim Friedel, and um, and we are uh, waiting for the man to come across from working his fingers feverishly in Judah's spot to over into his his spot here. But so, how many tiles? I've lost count. I was. Actually, I, thinking. I don't even count them. I just run around each day. I think. Um, <laughs> Is like any one of them that says chief cook, bottle washer, or anything like that? I think that's probably pretty accurate. <laughs> Maybe we should just say what you don't do. That'd be fair. I don't know if we just should do that out in the air or not. I mean, <laughs> I, I've been associated with it for 15 years, so I guess that's why they, they're like, well, who knows something about this? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, that's what is it? Uh, what was that? What was that cereal commercial? Mikey will like it. What yeah. was? Mm-hmm. I'd like to try it. Uh, Jim will do it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yep. Keeps me young. Keeps me having fun. How's uh, how's I like the challenges? How's the cycling thing going? Bicycling going? So not doing as much cycling right now because uh, the zoning official or zoning officer in our department wanted to try the ten miler. So I've been up in my running mileage to do oh. the 10-miler, so I'm going to run in that. We've got Yona's running that. Speaking of okay. which, today is my wife's beautiful wife's 61st birthday. And awesome. Happy birthday. As soon as we finish the show here, we're running up to D.C., going to do a little, a little jazz at, uh, <coughs> at the Blue Note, and then uh, we're going to go off for opera on Sunday. Wow. Awesome. On, on, you, know, on, you guys on look good. I think we're ready to rap and roll. There you go. Uh, Judah's well, voice changed. <laughs> I got the look, by the way. Good Friday morning, guys. My name is Jerry Miller, and welcome to Real Talk with Keith Smith. Thank you kindly for joining us on a rainy Friday in Central Virginia, the show that airs on every social media platform known to mankind, and Green County is in the spotlight. Green County has been a topic of conversation on Real Talk with Keith Smith and the I Love Seville Network for about 18 months now. We're talking economic vitality. We're talking growth, strategic growth. We're talking jobs, we're talking great schools, and in close proximity to the epicenter of employment, the city of Charlottesville. Green County, we are very bullish on. Keith Smith, you're a huge fan of Green County. And apparently a a great use of human resources by having (laughs) one guy do seven jobs. I I think it was seven. I lost count. I know what the feeling is like today. (laughs) As I'm directing the show with Judah Wickhauer, enjoying a little family time in California, our traditional director. But Keith, who do you have on the show today? So I've got two Green County rock stars. To my right is Dale Herring. You're the chair now, right? Uh, Yes, sir. The chair, and to his right is Jim Friedel. I don't know which title you want me to use. Planning director? <laughs> Main is uh, planning director and zoning administrator, and then 
So why don't, why don't we kick it off with quick intros? We'll do Jim first, yep. since your list is a little longer, <laughs> right? So why don't you start with, uh, what do you do at Green, Green County, other than everything? So, yeah, a little, a little bit of everything. I, I, I pitch in where I can, so I have uh, several titles uh, currently. I'm, I'm main, main job is Planning Director and Zoning Administrator. Um, I'm also uh, Interim Deputy County Administrator and Interim Water and Sewer Director, which is one of the topics that you wanted to get into today, so hopefully I'll be able to answer those questions. Yeah, we, we, got, the, we got the man <laughs> at the table. Dale, introduce everybody to yourself. Uh, sure, my name is Dale Harry. I'm the uh, at-large supervisor. I'm currently in my eighth and final year on the board. Uh, when I'll be running for re-election again. Uh, full-time, I do work for the school system within Greene County as director of technology. Um, so I've known Jim for a, a several years. And I think uh, Jim has left off a few of his actual job descriptions Ooh, that we've assigned to. Fill us in. Uh, well, I think we forgot to mention the fact he's a tour guide. If you want to take a tour of Greene County, give Jim a call. He'll schedule a tour for you. Um, and uh, what's a couple of, oh, yeah, that temporary IT guy for meetings. So when the IT messes up during a meeting, it's his fault. It's his fault. Yeah. <laughs> it's his so we blame fault. him for it. And also, you, you, you're part of this Green County bike race I, we do. You, mm -hmm. Aren't you like, like well, Tour de Green? Tour de Green, thank you. Uh, actually, I, I ride with all those folks. I, I, when I used to be on the Board of Supervisors, it was always campaign season, so I actually haven't actually done that yet. Oh, you haven't actually done that race? No, this year I was uh, planning on being part of it and uh, had a charity run for uh, a, a spouse of one of our workers, and so I skipped to do that instead. So let's kick it off with this. Tell us, tell the folks who may not know what actually a planning director does, right, and zoning administrator. These what? fellas are Greene County through and through. With I mean, you, you can't ask for better represent, you know, evangelists, representatives of Greene County than these guys right here. Um, I want to know what he does and how he breaks up his day, because I would imagine scheduling is difficult. But before we get into that, for all those that are watching the show, and you got two media outlets watching you guys right now, a newspaper and a TV station, okay. why should we be super excited like Keith and I are and bullish on Greene County? Tell us about all the special things cooking. Green is growing, for one thing. Um, I guess the question is, where do I stop when I start talking about Green County? Our school system, we were one of four school divisions in the state that remained open during COVID. Um, our school division has, you know. I'll give you props for that. Yeah. That's legit. Yeah, so, I mean, it was tough. We did it. Um, our, our schools are growing. Uh, we've got a lot of resources for our students. Um, we've got a great staff that's doing quite a bit uh, of good. So our school system is great. So if you're looking for a, a place to settle down for your kids, the school system is great. Uh, we've got uh, a lot of uh, business that looks at Greene County. We're trying to grow in a smart, intelligent way. For example, we're trying to maintain our rural character in the western part of our county. We're concentrating the actual development in the eastern part of the county on the main corridor or 29 corridor. So we're trying to look at that. We're trying to also look at developing tourism so that we can actually improve what we're offering our citizens without putting additional burden on them through the taxes. So we've got a lot of good things going on in Greene County. We've got great staff. Jim's a great example of that. Uh, they're very Sounds dedicated. Like you just got one guy. Yeah, it, yeah we, we have a great staff member. <laughs> um, so it's a great place to be. Um, people are very friendly for the most part. If you need something, they're always there. Um, you know, I've grown up in Greene County. My family's from Greene County, and it's where I made my home. Um, so I don't think I'd have it any other way. Can you I'm, say, you guys want to say hi to Neil Williamson? 
Hey, Neil. Hey, Neil. Well, zing him a little bit if you want to. Oh, he's I watching right I'm now. I'm pretty sure he's going the <laughs> other way. He's, it's coming. Neil's too easy of a target to zing. <laughs> we love you, Neil. Um, Jim, Green County for you. Why are you excited? Uh, Green County for me, I, I will point out, Dale uh, didn't mention that the schools are all fully accredited, mm -hmm. which is un unusual and rare. Uh, so usually it's one or two of them need a couple extra steps. What does that mean? Uh, so it is uh, a criteria that measures success across the board. They, uh, the, the state reviews all that. You have to have a certain level of test scores. You have to have, I don't, I don't actually know all of the criteria. I just know it's hard. And uh, the fact that all of our schools are accredited is amazing. Our graduation rate for our students is above the region and the state. Uh, so there's, and awesome. for Greene County, I think the simplest thing is potential. Green is a beautiful place right now. It has a lot of potential to grow, to offer things to new employers and to new residents while still retaining the, the things that we all love about Green. And the one thing that doesn't get mentioned, it really doesn't uh, fall into part of planning or government, but the, the people are amazing. It, it, there's a quiet confidence and support among the people in Green County. Uh, you, you've met the folks, and when you, when you, if you're out and you need something, it doesn't matter who you are. There's no strangers in Greene County. People will give you the shirt off your back if you're in need. And a lot of people just don't realize that because nobody's, nobody's out there bragging about it. They just do it because it's the right thing to do. You, you just awesome. did it. How many, how many residents are in Greene County? Just 20,000? Uh, the latest uh, is 21,500. Yes. How has the population increased, say, over the last five or ten years? Over the last five or ten years, it's, it's started to increase again. The, the last ten years prior to, well, to through 20, it was an 11.5% increase in population. Uh, the last two years, that's ticked up a little bit. So the census data was 20,500. Now we're 21,500. So that's 1,000 in, um, in two years. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so um, Jerry kind of alluded to this of for years, this is, I can't remember what show this is, 430-something. Um, you know, I used to always say, you know, I think the next growth area was going to be Designs Crossroads area. And I've walked that back quite a bit um, um, for many, many reasons. And we'll kind of leave them off the table for the moment. But I, I think you guys, Green County, is now positioned 100%. to take that spot. And, and we've been talking, been throwing around this number of, you've got about 2,000 approved lots in some shape or form. You, Jim, you want to jump into that and, and put some quantity to that? What does that sure. mean and what, where, where are we standing? Uh, right now, uh, just, we have 1,870 lots that, uh, that are okay, approved. Okay, I was close. Uh, but also, in addition to that, it's not listed here as... Uh, an older approval, which is, uh, this is just recent active things, but we have probably uh, another 800 senior only lots that are, that are yeah. currently approved that Good. we don't have site plans in, in for. These are, these are things that are active, recent rezonings have active pursuit of development. So let's, let's quantify that a little bit. So we have 1,800, if I remember the number correctly, that have been rezoned. Correct. And they're in some process of re from rezoning to site plan approval. Is that correct? They're act they are active applications. Some are, are just in the planning stages, but we have uh, Creekside, which is a large residential 
development, a Stanley mixed Martin residential development. Stanley Martin mm-hmm. Homes has 252 units that are almost ready for site plan approval, just yep. within a month, at the, probably not even that long. Um, and then there's another phase of 130 single-family homes within that development that are right at the approval point yeah. for, uh, for development. We have another site plan in place for 120 senior apartments. Uh, and um, Why'd you look at me when you said that, Paul? <laughs> <laughs> You've so, used um, that joke before, Keith. I have. I got about six of them. That's, or that, that, I got five more left. I know not, all his jokes. I'm not speaking very clearly. I'm sorry. By the way, said, Dale knows them, too, because we spent too much time <laughs> together in the There's senior apartments, not super senior apartments. Oh. So, so we'll have to Remember, I'll make you wear that hat I put over there. <laughs> and, um, and so those are the key things. Well, actually, I'm sorry. We have... Uh, uh, mixed-use uh, development uh, where we have townhouses, commercial, and office space and uh, light industrial space. That is, uh, it's, it's in the, the final site plan phases also, and that's 282 units and several hundred thousand square feet of so that, commercial space. That sounds like about a thousand real, real quick coming through, right? Yeah. Correct. Around, around a thousand. Well, so- for approval, as you know, yeah, yeah. it takes a long time to grade it out, put all the infrastructure in, start building the Well, that's, that was the question I was going to ask Dale now. So it mm-hmm. sounds like we've got somewhere around 50% of the lots that are in the pipeline that are about ready to spit out of the site plan process and start moving earth. earth. We talk about the show all the time, inventory, inventory, inventory. There's no inventory. And we're gonna, I'm going to talk some recent numbers in your county that's a bit shocking uh, on that end of it. So when do you think these things are going to hit, hit the market? I'd probably say but three to five years, would you think? That's when we start seeing. I mean, it's not going to be completed in five-year time frame, but you'll probably see the houses within a three-year time frame once they go through the process. That's about the average, I would think. Yeah. Some a little quicker. Yeah. Um, the single families will start in that and, and take a little time to develop, but the townhomes will go quicker. Yeah, yeah so it's about a, if they all start, uh, they start Creekside, for instance, it's probably about a year's worth of horizontal development work before they can start going, going vertical. Up. So, a little numbers about your county. I've, I've sent you a text message on it. You did. You know Say hi to John Blair. John, hey, John Blair's Blair. giving him props hey, here. First two months of this year versus the first two months of 2022. Volume of sales are down in your county quite, right. quite a bit, yeah. by almost 40%. Yeah, uh, jumped down uh, from 20. Uh, last year was 46 sold in the first two months, 28 this month. But... The average, excuse me, the median sales price jumped about 40%. That's $81,000. So that's roughly 24%. So if you bought a home in the first two months of January, February of 2022 in your county, it is now up 24% in, in value. Yeah. You know, that's, that's, and oh, by the way, it's up. Well, where's the number? Hold on a second here. I can tell you the number here for a second. $417,000 was the median sales price. Yeah, I think people in green are actually uh, reminding us of that recently. The, the reassessments went out. Um, and Every jurisdiction. Notifi- yeah, the notifications. We all felt it. Yeah, notifications went out to our, our citizens, and they got that. So they're definitely calling and concerned that. But that's the reason why. Um, the, the, like I said, the sales were down. They were down a while back. Like I think one stat I have is like 34.8% on the car report that I looked up. Your stats are, are more current. Um, Thank you for noting that. Yeah. Uh, but the stats are, <laughs> he prides himself know, in that. The yeah. number of sales are down, but the prices are up. 
uh, in Greene County, which means that, you know, people want to live in Greene County. They want to move there. 24%, brother. Yeah, and that's the average, I think, was uh, reassessed for me. I've heard 25% quite frequently. I heard somebody had 40% increase. That's I'm specific not, to Greene? Yeah. yeah. In so, the assessments. Yeah, so I think the average is around 25%, believe me, which mm-hmm. matches back to your, your data right there. Does the citizen realize the assessments are out of your hands? Because no. that's, that's market no. value there. No, they do not. Um, I think some do. A lot do not. We get a, the, the Board of Supervisors get accused of raising the assessments to help offset costs in the county. Um, and what a lot of people don't understand, with the recent personal property issue a year ago, real estate, when you look at the real estate taxes and so forth, it's a mechanism in place where a citizen can appeal their decision oh, yeah. in case this something is, is assessed incorrectly. There's also equalization. Each time you do a reassessment, the tax rate is this. To keep the same amount of revenue, your tax rate has to be this. The equalization rate can go up or go down depending upon what the assessments have done. With the personal property tax, that was never in place because it was never heard of of a vehicle going up in value to the extent that it did. So people still see the personal property and they worry about the real estate. But on the notification they receive, it tells them that this the tax rate eighty two cents. This is your taxes, but this tax rate may not stand. And plus, that's a way to appeal the process. So equalization for us, we found it is actually at sixty six cents. From eighty-two cents to sixty-six, that's the, how much increase our assessment. So, so let's I give you props there. So that's important to highlight. It's yeah. very important to highlight. So, so, so let's to make it simple. When you mean by equalization and adjusting the rate, mm-hmm. so we've got we got an assessed value of X. Right. We're going to have a budget of Y. Right. And the rate's going to be reduced. So we're we're equal. My amount of money that I pay cash, I pay is going to be all pretty darn close to the same amount as I paid the year before. If we if we keep the, if we equalize across the board yeah. and we set the tax rate at 66 cents, then you'd pay the same thing you did before. You're the first elected official since we've been doing this that actually made it extremely clear. Jesse, Jesse made it clear. I think Jesse's actually talking about going the other way. Actually, Yeah, but he explained it clearly. Yeah, he yeah. explained it clearly. Yeah. Now, now, of course, Thank you. Now, when I say that, it doesn't mean the board will go for 80 Everything's to about Jesse Rutherford, as you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think Jesse's yeah, watching. War, war right Jesse. it's always, yeah, the yeah. world according to yeah, Jesse. Yeah, you had that movie, yeah, War According to Garth, yeah, 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 yeah. where it was yeah, yeah, yeah. War According to Jesse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Al Gore created the internet, and Jesse created a broadband. Yeah, exactly. That's why I keep hearing but you know, it doesn't. He'll tell you too. It, it doesn't mean that the board will set that tax rate to six cents. Yeah. We have to do the, the budget process. Sure. So if you're looking at an eighty-two cents, will we go above eighty-two? No. Will we stay at eighty-two? I cannot say that we will. But it depends uh, on your budget, right? Exactly. But I, I can I can almost, from my viewpoint, we'd definitely be lower at eighty-two. We would probably be higher than sixty-six. It, it's kind of like it's got to look at the budget process, and we start that on Tuesday. So, so I, you know, um, Ned Galloway sat in one of these seats and, um, and said the same thing of Albemarle County Board of Supervisors, that if you really want to know what your county's thinking and where their minds are at and what they're going to try to achieve, this budget season you're in right now is the telltale of it. Watch where the money goes. Right. And, and then you can see if you can go there. But just to put a, a, in context, uh, the medium sales price in your county single-family detached, no new construction, in 2022 was 340 So that was, that was as of December 2022. The first two months, it jumped from 340 to 418 Wow. That's just in two months. The, the, the value of the home sale, same exact type of product, I can't do the math that quickly, but jumped north of, what's that, 50, 60, almost 80,000. There's your $80,000 yeah. right there. 
So what are we going to do, gents? What can we do, gentlemen, at this table to help housing affordability and help move things? What does housing affordability look like in green? There you go. That's a better question. Mm, that's a, Way right better now, question. to be honest with you, I, if you have to look at a housing affordability, I think that we're in trouble. Because, um, I mean, I, I, you know, you've got what people don't seem to understand. It's just one of the things, you know, when you look at housing affordability, and I mentioned this the last time I was on your show, you've got to look at the inventory. You know, the inventory... A lot of residents don't want to see a, a, a new subdivision come in or a new inventory, a new residential growth. The problem is, though, if you don't have the new inventory, people who can afford a $400,000 home may end up paying that amount for a smaller, less expensive home because they want to live in that area. So what happens is you're taking the inventory away, you, your prices become inflated, and then people are priced out of their neighborhood. Uh, we've had different developments where they tried to look at um, – and, and Jim may want to speak to this as grants to do affordable housing, which doesn't necessarily mean affordable in what I would consider affordable, but it lowers the price that it would sell that property for. Um, and, and you get the comments, will it look the same as the other places? There's a stigma associated with affordable housing that people don't seem to understand that affordable housing is probably the house that you have purchased 10 years ago and that you're now living in, and that is considered affordable housing. So two terms I've changed around, as you know, because right, you've, 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 right. we've, we've had this discussion. Yeah, I use housing affordability, not versus, affordable housing. Right. The other interchangeable term is, is a starter home, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. How a home for somebody to start their family, to start their moving up of the housing ladder and the, and the income growth, uh, generational wealth, wealth, wealth ladder. That, that, you know, out of the 2,000 or 1,800 coming in here, that may be some help there. But, you know, at 418, that's not, that's not, a, no. that's not affordable, right? And, you know, we... The, rea- the second follow-up from my question on that is, you know, at these prices, can the person who's working in your school system or in your in your one of those twelve hats you wear, whatever the heck you do, I can address employ- that. The, yeah. So the the median income, so the west side of Green County, the more populated, uh, so the west side is more rural, the dense population in the east side, the median income is about sixty-seven thousand dollars a year. <laughs> On the the eastern side, where it's more urban-esque, uh, it's about eighty-six. So, oh, give those numbers again. That's a great eighty-six thousand dollars a year on the east side. Um, it's sixty-seven overall. It's in the high forties on the west side. So, east side um, for those who are listening is like Rutgersville, right. the key growth area, that, right? That Twenty-nine kind of and thirty-three. Got it. And um, and last time I ran the numbers at four fifteen. Uh, you needed to make a hundred and two thousand yeah. dollars a year to be able to afford the median home price at four fifteen. Um, and, and you know that so so that's not an individual; it's a household, right? Right, right. So you know the the, the household would have to make that amount of money. Still twenty thousand dollars more. Well, fifteen thousand dollars more than the highest median income in Green. How about this question from Waynesboro, Kevin Yancey? Ask both gentlemen if they ever envision new homes in Green County starting above four hundred thousand. Did I ever envision in general? That? No, I mean, probably recently, yes, five years ago, probably not. And we go to ago. starter homes because of the cost of materials, the cost of labor, cost of land, everything. Uh, and, 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 and not 
and again, you guys do a great job over there, but the red tape is not helping either. It's 25% of what, 24 and change of all new construction is some version of red tape. So, I mean, there's a way that we all can help that a little bit, I think, on that on that end of it. But so it's more than those two, I three. Your basic three starter homes are in the low 300s. That's exactly yeah. right. That's, that's exactly right. That's Neil Williamson's got a lot of questions here, guys. He got a lot of green counting watching. Um, this is from the king of content, Neil Williamson. What type of housing product is currently on the market in green? And he certainly wants us to bring up um, one of the most recent pieces of content he created. He's using the hashtag content slinger, which he likes to do. The Charlie, uh, the Charlie Armstrong project um, with Southern. So why don't we start first with the, uh, and you guys can go anywhere you want. I would never push you past the point of, un, you know, too much respect for you guys here. Um, so how about the, the, the housing type question from Neil first? And then we got eight or nine other ones. Housing product currently on the market in green, Keith. So I'm looking at that right now. So I'm going to, I'm going to let somebody jump in. I'm actually doing the stat. One of the interesting uh, things um, that I'm looking at quickly, the proposed attached and detached. So these are new construction homes that haven't been built yet that are hitting the market. You guys kind of win the win the, uh, the, the, the prize there. It looks like you've got the most of the, around the jurisdiction. How about this question, a, a pivot Neil's question. What type of housing product is missing from green? There you go. Missing middle. Yeah. Because you guys got a lot of single family detached and green. What is missing? Well, real quick, I just want to comment that I've always thought of Neil as a slinger, but well, you called it content. <laughs> content slinger. <laughs> that's, not, that's not what I thought. <laughs> Somewhere, <laughs> somewhere, Jimmy Neal is laughing. Well done, yeah. well done. Well, yeah, well I mean, done. again, if you look at the latest car reports we're looking at here, and you got like, so your, your day is more to date, um, the latest car report, Green County, for example, in townhomes uh, and condos, we had zero yeah. on the market. Right. Yeah, so, so you, you have zero. So I can tell you right now, I'm looking at proposed attached right now in Green County. You literally only have one. And that is an uh, Octavia, Octania Highlands mm -hmm. is a subdivision. There's only one uh, that's that's in the market that you could potentially buy right buy and right now. That's probably actually inaccurate because that's a that's a single family subdivision all the way. It's a rural rural division. Ah, so, you mean you mean somebody put to your point data. to both your points? Green, you know has what? You know what, my friend? When you open up the picture, guess green what it has is? a lot of R one single family house. Yeah, yeah, a lot yeah. of single family detached. What it's missing is condos, apartments, right. townhomes, starter homes. Exactly. Because how are the folks that are going to work service or frontline jobs be able to afford in green if that housing stock doesn't exist? Now, starter homes, green has a lot of single-family starter homes. Uh, you know, as we discussed, though, starter homes, what they used to be and what they are now, I don't know that you can afford a starter home when you're starting. Because yeah. it's 315 320 for a starter home. Yeah, um, so th there is, uh, I can t look at it here real quick, of the... Most inexpensive home in Greene County is at 250. This is not new construction. It's over on Spotswood Trail. Um, and I bet you that DOM is long in the tooth. The days on the market. 11. Which, oh, that's not which bad. Which is really not that bad. No, that's not bad at but, all. But uh, you know, you've got some at 147 that are like sub 300. Uh, when you start getting down into the 400s, or the DOMs are much, are much, much shorter on that end of it. But you know. I can tell you as a chairman of a land trust, in order to hit the 80% AMI, now that, the AMI number is a little different than your number. It's 110, right? Because mm -hmm. that's a HUD number. 
on that end of it. Single individual to hit 80 percent AMI is around fifty-seven thousand dollars is 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 the number in, in income, and they really only can afford something about two twenty-five in right. today's market. Market, right? You know, interest rates could affect that, right? Up or down a little bit. So you've got zero on the market right now that fits that bill at all. I mean, two twenty-five is probably an attached product in most jurisdictions. And we have very few of those. Of the site plans that are uh, in the process of approval, we have um, 128 townhomes Good. in the yep. Stanley Martin phase of Creekside. Yep. We have 282 townhomes near, uh, near the Sheets yeah. um, right there. We have, um, we've just finished uh, 100 apartments. We have another 120 apartments. Uh, available, and then um, we have site plans that are coming in for 165 townhomes. So we're catching up. Green, green traditionally didn't the have becomes detached or attached homes, right. but now we're starting to catch up. And that, and that process all started quite some time ago, right? I mean, the, those have been in the pipeline for years, right? They have. For, for years. So, you know, uh, I'd rather well, be... Well, some of these have been in a single family, and they went back through rezoning to change over because the, the market Change. Pr pr approves or yeah. prefers uh, attached homes, probably because of affordability. affordability. Well, you Life get closer style, to that 250 number, grass. right? Yeah, yeah. You know, we, I don't think, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll find out, right? But, you know, what development costs on land acquisition and all that stuff. But density is key. The more that you can put in it, the lower the price you can, you can do on things. I mean, I, I don't know what their price points are going to be. But it'd be close to 250 for sure. And, yeah. and new homes, from, from a buyer's perspective, right now in today's environment, the builders can offer a little bit more incentives, right, that could help people kind of get in there a little bit, you know, that, you know uh, closing cost incentives and so forth and so on, that makes it a little bit more attractive on it, that they can kind of squeak in at that price point and start building that generational, that generational wealth. A lot of questions for you guys. A lot of questions. You want to jump in, Dale, with something? Uh, no, I was just saying you're talking about affordability in homes. I can remember my first home was at 10% interest rate. Yeah, but you were happy yeah. to get it, right? Yeah. But it was $100,000. Yeah. Uh, it was below, below $100,000. And we actually assumed a loan, and we were happy to get it, to be honest with you. Um, I'm just trying to think how your kids today, how they can make it, what year was that? Make it work. Uh, <laughs> it was, it was, I won't say. It was, when I was young, probably five years ago. <laughs> <laughs> you want me to do it, Jerry, or should, should you do you it? Go ahead, yeah. You go ahead and do it. My first home that we bought in 1987 was 18%. Wow, thank you. And yeah. it was 150 grand, by the and way. And you were happy yeah. to get it. I was happy to get yeah. it, happy to get in there, happy to build that, build that ladder up. We refinanced it, like, I've lost count how many times in 13 years, and finally got it down to, like, 6%. The only reason people are so disenchanted with rates today is because they're getting brainwashed by a 24-7 news cycle. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, rates in the sixes, even in the low sevens, are fantastically low, mm -hmm. uh, historically. I've quoted this. Uh, if you pull up the uh, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, any one of those things right. since 1972, the average is 7.1%. Yeah. So we're, we're right in the wheelhouse here. Well, we talked about that when it started happening. I, I, I'm on record of saying that when, when interest rates were below 3%, you know, folks, don't get used to this. This is not normal. You right? did say yeah. that. 
He did say that. How about this question from the feed? And this is a really good one. And this is something we've been saying on the I Love Seville show for a couple years now. That Green County, and this was meant as a compliment, although okay. some, some in green may not take this as a compliment, <laughs> um, that Green County has so much positive going for it with schools and with some development, housing, um, with infrastructure, that it's on the cusp of becoming the next Crozet. The next Crozet, yeah. Virginia. Now, that would probably make some folks bristle, the old guard in Green County. Right. That we're comparing them to Crozet. Well, quanti- quantify that in, in volume or lifestyle. It's, a, it's own ecosystem yeah. where you don't have to leave. You can stay there. Yeah, yeah, you have yeah. quality of life. You have schools. You have housing. So I mean, you, you could say the same thing as like Monticello, right? So when, when people say Crozet, they kind of think of a different price point, right? Crozet is elevated. Is, is yeah. elevated yeah. in it. But Lake Monticello, right, we have 4,300 Homes there. We've got food line. We got thirteen restaurants. Yada yada yada. So you, it's your own little thing. If you didn't, when I was building houses there for twenty years, I literally never left it. Everything because everything need, I needed was there. there. Yeah, you stay. You, you, everything you did in Fluvanna, you did in Fluvanna. Your money stayed in Fluvanna. You stayed. In Fluvanna. Uh, that's literally what happened. I hired Fluvanna people. Yeah. I hired uh, all that kind of great stuff. Everything stayed in Fluvanna. And I want to get to something in a minute that's a little old, but I'm going to let you guys jump in what Jerry's talking about. Okay. I mean, basically, that, that statement, first off, is, is a pretty accurate statement. Right now, we're trying to keep green citizens in Greene County. We're trying to make sure they have everything they need within the community. Uh, we are looking at broadband out to 2025. We should have broadband all across the county. Once that's in place, uh, people can do, if they need to do anything remote, they can do it remotely through you know, broadband, through Internet connections, whatever. Um, we want to have health care in Greene County. We want to have schools in Greene County where they can go. We like to see communities where the kids could actually, at some point, actually either walk or bike to their school. Um, kind of like you see, you know, you think of years ago, and that's one of the projects that I was hoping for in the Ruckusville area, but I'm not sure. It, it was voted down, uh, I think it was voted down 3-2, um, and that was a Wood Park mm-hmm. uh, project. Um, you were on the positive side, right? Yes, I was on the positive side. To me, green has got the potential to be what everybody wants it to be as long as we can get out of our way and make sure we work toward that goal. Look at that. He's squirming in his seat. <laughs> well, it's a good way to answer the question you asked me. What does a planning director do? Yeah. Yeah. We interface and work with the public. What does the public want Greene County to be? And the public wants the Rutgersville area from the Albemarle County line up to Walmart on 29 and 33 to be something Urban that it density. isn't currently. Yeah. yeah, they want that to be a place, a sense of community, so that we start having uh, interconnectivity both visually, um, uh, place type-wise, walkability, drivability, so you don't have to get out on 29, take your life in your hands to go 16 feet down the road to the next place. You'll be able to drive without being on the big road, walk, have lunch, have work, have a place to live. That's what the community wants. It's in the community plan for that growth area. That protects the rural area. That keeps the beauty in the rural area. I read an article this morning uh, on Zillow. and they did an analysis last year that homes that had walkabil- high walkability score sold for 34% more than wow. ones that did not. So, yeah. so 
walkability has value. It, it does that. And, and it was interesting because some folks may say, well, you know, if you do increase density, people won't walk. But according to Zillow anyway and what they were doing, a lot of people just walked. They just they walked. Yeah. I walk from my office of Studio X. I may walk to a bar called Tavola on a regular basis, <laughs> but, or may not. I may not. My mother didn't like me when I said that the other day. She goes, people now know where you walk. I said, well, whatever. Yeah. We're going to do that. So, I, I, look, I'm going to use the word NIMBY because I can't think of another word than that, right? I'm re- there's an article, there's a white paper written here that's old. It's 2011, but the data is right. It talks about the effects of housing on the local economy. So the, we've got roughly 2,000 homes ready to come on there. What is that effect going to be on the local economy of Green? How, how is that going to benefit Green County? You want me to start or you want to start? You can start. More residents means you have the opportunity for more retail. Uh, more retail means, you know, first off, the way I look at whenever you bring a home, you know, it's never a, a, a positive as far as your tax rate goes because that home is going to bring either some type of, of of drain, if you will, in the school system, a drain on the infrastructure. But what you have to look at, you have to have the rooftops to bring the retail. Everybody wants to retail without the rooftops. It doesn't happen that way. You know, Walmart, Lowe's, uh, Starbucks, they would never have been in Greene County without the, uh, the, the rooftops. So you bring the rooftops in, and then our retail will grow. And it begins to help develop our economy so our economy grows beyond the point where you see that negative impact. So with those additional people moving into Greene County, uh, it's already been pre-approved. And it's been approved for some time now. What you'll see is once they come in, you have a greater population. The retail giants, if you will, or industry will see a greater population. They'll want to come into Green and develop that 29 corridor. You'll see more businesses come in into the 29 corridor. So you see more outlets, and our tax base will begin to grow in that area. Now, the problem you run into, you've got a limited geographical area to make all that development happen. And that's where Jim comes in. I'm sure you can add to that as far as how they develop all that planet. So I would, I would say additionally, people think retail, and that is important. You have to have a certain density of population for different sure. types of retail. But the other key factor is the more employees that you have in a concentrated area, the more likely it is that a business will locate there because you have a talented pool of people who are currently 65% driving down here to Albemarle and Charlottesville, if, if they can work the same job or a slightly better job and drive two miles. So 65% of your county moves out of the county to work someplace yeah. else. To, to, to come, shop, to, to just, spend. Just, just, just to here, just to yeah. this area. Yeah. Some, some commute even further. So, so this, this white paper basically talks about three things about new construction. and the local, There's an indirect impact, a direct impact, and an induced impact. Impact. You want you want to take a stab at, at those three things, or would you like me to define them? Um, well, the one I'm finishing the thought out. The one other thing is is you, you mentioned it before. Government doesn't and can't control the need for housing. The market controls that. Sure. So if if Green County, if there's a need and a desire for people to live in Green County, they're coming to Green County. And if the government says we don't want to follow the community plan and create this sense of community and density in this area. What, what you're actually saying is the houses that are going to come are now going to go into the western part of the county, take over the farm fields, take over the rural areas that we want to keep. So if you can make it easier for people to follow the community's plan, the more likely you are to succeed. So the market 
the developers, the housing, will take the path of least resistance. That's what they'll do. That's yes. just the way the market is. Absolutely. And you're spot on. If, if you don't encourage it in some sort of whatever your growth area is, it will migrate into, into the rural area. That's something Fluvanna's going to be struggling with. Fluvanna's already struggling with that, right? Because there isn't going to be any more development around Lake Monticello. Personally, I think we're about two to three years away before getting 400,000 gallons of water from the James River to Zion's Crossroads. And then you've got to go through the rezoning process. Mm -hmm. So that yeah. is going to be a decade away right. before anything happens in there. That's the reason why I've done a 180. Big surprise. And if you track the communities, I, most communities aren't very successful at steering the majority of their growth to the growth area. It's, if you look, it's, it's usually 50-50 at best, sometimes you get 55 or more that are going outside of the growth area. Um, so the, the development outside of the growth area is buy right development on a lot. You, you got a lot, you build a house. So you're it's, a planning director to find buy right. What does that mean? Uh, it just means that if you own a piece of land and, you, and it, you're allowed to have a single family home on there, you can build it. Um, the larger developments and the things in the growth area typically require more infrastructure, roads, uh, you know, different impacts on schools, traffic, uh, water and sewer, and that, that comes at a cost. So if you're making it harder to get the approval, if you're adding more regulatory layers in the review process, it just adds the cost and it makes it, as you said, it's not no longer the path of least resistance. So. I would ideally like to develop here, follow the community's plans, have an have a integrated, concentrated development that people want, but I still need to build inventory because people want to be there and I'm a house builder and I have to have jobs. So I'll go build it over here instead. And the cost is greater a lot of times. And also, when people are watching, developers are watching, they're watching how the political body reacts to those plans that come forward. If the political body votes down a project that is in the growth area that matches the growth area plan and a comprehensive plan, they will go over to the western part of the county and the rural areas because it's like it's less resistant. They can do it by right without any type of interference from political body. And that's one thing that concerns me is the political body can make decisions that can impact that process. You want to tackle that with Fulvana County? I, you can. I, that's exactly what I was thinking <laughs> right there. It's come up on the show. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't sure if you wanted me to go the, yeah, down yeah, that road. Yeah, I mean, it, it is what it is. It's a public. These were public decisions, public made. That there were several projects in my county um, uh, that were around Lake Monticello that was in the growth area. That, that got rejected. One was um, a 55 and over apartment complex that would serve 60, I believe it was 60% area medium income and below, which is, mm -hmm. I mean, what a win-win that yeah, was. for sure. Was, got shot down. There was another project that would have brought another couple of hundred units that was adjoining uh, Lake Monticello, got shot down. And, you know, uh, the world I'm in, right, the, the general real estate, I consult out for developers every once in a while. Um, they won't come to Fulvana County. Mm. They will not come for that very reason. Yeah. Um, so what you'll see is a bunch of four, five, six, whatever the buy right is. It's already happening. I'm, I'm, I'm having these conversations in the rural area. Drill a well, put a thing. And if that's what Fulvana County wants, great. Then. And the, the problem with that, and this is just one man's opinion, the problem with that is that creates sprawl yep. and that that's creates exactly right. environmental um, issues associated with sprawl, creates more traffic, more issues on roads, infrastructure strain. 
So, I mean, it's 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 not cohesive strategy. So and I'm I, not trying to call anybody out here. I know no. one of your rules here. It's just not a cohesive strategy for yeah, growth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and we're not we're not pointing fingers. Yeah, you know, this is just the reality of what what is happening and what is going to happen on this. But back to this direct impact and 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 and, and, and indirect impact. You mentioned earlier, you know, in my career, we used to build 30, 40 houses a year. I never left Lake Monticello for literally two decades because when I first moved there, there was only about 600 houses there. I only employed Fulvana people. I only employed Fulvana subcontractors. Right, that means some of them we may have pulled out because we need I mean, some we're seeing this people. firsthand with Dr. Hertz Tire Plant in Scottsville. Yeah. Mm -hmm. With the apartment conversion there, I've taken a, a, a factory that is ridden with asbestos and making it apartments. Scottsville's bet, a lot of folks in Scottsville are begging for this because it's going to help jumpstart the budget, the economy, right. get new jobs mm -hmm. in the community. They didn't have the political capital to make that happen. They lost yeah, it by right. one yeah. vote. Yeah. Right. Lost yeah. the vote. And a councilor quit right after that vote was registered. So the, so the direct impact, and the, you guys are in, in this every day. So what's the direct impact for Scottsville? So they've just now lost, I think, a couple of hundred grand. Their budget is rather small dollar-wise. Certainly right, small compared to green. To greens. Well, let's look at the future, and not, not to be critical, but it would be amazing and wonderful if a high-quality, big-job manufacturing facility took that over, but what are the odds of that in this economy? About, about right. zero. Yeah. yeah, not great. Not zero. And, and, and it's very interesting because the developers that are going to take it over, it's going to fix some environmental problems too there. Yeah, they were going to do sidewalks, yeah. um, proffers yeah. for sidewalks, proffers for the levee um, to help the water keep it from flooding Scottsville. Um, how about this question? I was going to ask about swimming lessons, but you covered it. Yeah. <laughs> this is from Grayson, who watches the show often. He says, how is the new development and all the new construction coming to green going to allow the folks that have been multi-generational Green County residents to stay? It would seem this would be a gentrifying factor for those that are multi-generational or on a fixed income incoming green? Well, my family is multi-generational. Um, they have property in green. Um, my family will still stay in green because they already currently have property. You know, I think with, with the, the comedy it's getting to, and hopefully I get this correct, is are we, by bringing in additional growth, are we pricing out people who are on a fixed income? And are we raising the, the excess values of the existing property to the point that people who are who have retired, who are at that level of point in their life, are they able to still stay in their homes? That's a concern, and that's something you can be careful about. You know, we're trying to get control of our water, which will help our infrastructure. Uh, we're trying to find ways to improve our revenue streams without impacting our citizens. You know, we're trying to look at tourism. Uh, the Glamsey situation, that was a, a lot of opposition to that project. That's going to bring in revenue to green, which will help offset some of the taxes. You know, you cannot have all the services. You can't have all the benefits. You can't have the schools. You can't have the infrastructure where there's some costs associated with it. So how do you pay for those costs? If you don't want residential growth, if you don't want retail growth, you don't want tourism, but you want the benefits, how do, you, how do we accomplish that goal? And then if you're not careful, the, the, the pricing of the homes and the, the increase of the assessed values and taxes that go up in general can price people out of their homes that they've been in. Well, I think that's more, and that's the concern you, you were that's, into. That's that, ravaging Charlottesville yeah. right now. Yeah, so you, and exactly. So, you <clears> so don't we want just that grew to 80 grand. We just literally grew 80 grand in right. two months, right? 
And uh, you know, this time next year, if uh, I'm confident prices are going to increase because the inventory is just not going, it's just simple supply and demand, right? right. So what's going to happen to the, the 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 person in the rural area, right? Yep. They're all of a sudden now can't afford it, right? And now right. they can't afford it, and incomes big bad developer and says, you know what, I'll buy your land from you and just mm-hmm. do a bunch of buy right subdivisions, and ultimately it'll price out the families that you're trying to protect. That's the secret sauce of the rural area versus the growth area. Is that, is that right, Jim? There's a regional county, I don't want to name it, but they, with the citizens' uh, blessings and will, restricted the, uh, the subdivision of land. Uh, so it, you have to have a very large quantity of land in a county that has limited land, beautiful county, um, to be able to build a house. And what it's done over the last 20 years is created a situation where you have a lot of people with wealth coming from Northern Virginia, and they are able to afford the land, and everyone else is moving out. So you have wealthy folks, and then you have the people that serve them on their farms and many estates, and the, the rest of the middle class and, and that population is having to move out. The people that have owned land for a long time can't afford to have their kids build because it, you have to have so much money to be able to afford the property. That's, that's happened in Crozet. That sounds I mean, like that's a, Crozet. That sounds like a county that's a fruit, but I might be wrong. No, this one, um, this one is a little, um, yeah, yeah, a little west of there, that, and a little it. north. Got it, got it, got it. Crozet took a, little, a farm, yeah, a little Washington. Yeah, got it. Understood. Yeah. Understand. Crozet took a farm and chopped it into townhomes <laughs> and and side by sides and apartments and single family detached that are on .08 new construction, selling for over a million dollars. So wow. the different, the difference between Crozet. Decades ago, because that's how long ago it was. And if Crozet would come up now, is 20% of that would now have to be affordable, right? So that's the that's the difference, right? So if you know the Ned's super frustrated, many folks are that we don't have the developer incentives done in Almore County. But the plan says if you're going to do another, if you were ever to do another Crozet or Old Trail, it 20% of it has to be affordable. So, you know, that's a positive step forward, in my opinion. I agree. From housing, of, oh, you shake your head. Well, no? I think, you know, that, that's, that can be successful in some places that, that makes it more challenging and limits your inventory. So even though you have a few more houses that are affordable, you don't have the total number of houses that would have helped with general affordability. Yeah, but, but, but the incentives have to be the bonus density, right? right? That's, that's what we're so talking you gotta about. So you've got to get it right. You've got to get challenge. the math right, right? Mm-hmm. Neil get... says, for what it's worth, Crozet is in Almarle's development area. It is. Um, so I wanted, wanted us to highlight this. Um, Jason, who's on Rio Road, says, are there plans for anything on the scale of, say, North Point to come to Greene County? Uh, no, absolutely not. Well, only because uh, that'd be the, almost the entire space available in Greene County. We're, we, there are plans similar, but much smaller scale, just because but, we don't but Jim, have you're large getting them. You're just getting them in multiple projects, right? Mm-hmm. You're getting yeah. the density, right? You're, or compared to instead of one project, it's a several projects, roughly two thousand or eighteen hundred or whatever the number is. Yeah, Northridge is probably almost the same number of acreage in our total growth area. Yeah, but the, <laughs> but but the number of units is about the same, right? Fourteen, sixteen, yeah. if I remember correct. Remember correctly. Um, more questions coming in. What is the uh, Vanessa Parko? Hello, Nick Ponsalan. Hello, Ann Clark <laughs> Ramey. Hello, um, Johnny Ornalis. Hello, hey, Guadalajara and El Mariachi. 
Um, what jobs are missing? What do you guys want to see from the job front in Greene County? Good question. Personally, would like to see, I'd like to see more high-tech jobs in Greene County. I mean, that's just me personally. Um, we've got a couple of facilities in Greene that will, you know, employ some individuals, but we don't have the high-tech job market in Greene. We have retail markets in Greene. We have the fast food restaurants. Uh, we, and some of those restaurants are having trouble finding staffing right now. It's like all across, the, I guess, the country probably after COVID. Um, we have the retail market. Uh, we have the school system for educators. We have local government, but we don't have the high-tech industry. We have very little of that. With broadband coming to green, I'm hopeful that we can attract some high-tech industry. You know, I see where we can have a, a business in Standardsville, and I mentioned several times where you have a high-tech business that maybe employ five to ten people that has very little impact, and they just come to Standardsville in a small home that's been renovated, and people, very few people know that it's there, but they have a worldwide market because they can develop either a software or a program or some type of piece of technology. Um, but that's what I see as missing. You may have a different viewpoint. No, that's, that's exactly right. Uh, the jobs that, are, that we're trying to attract and that are missing and that are in the economic development study are, are the military contractors, mm -hmm. uh, biotech-type people because of our proximity to the university, um, and, um, and banking, believe it or not, are key things for this industry Natural. for potential growth. So, and those are the types of jobs that people are driving down here uh, from Green South to do that type of work. If we have smaller regional offices, if we have uh, defense contractors that employ a lot of high-paying jobs because of our proximity to NGIC, those are the types of jobs that we're targeting for new growth. Um, and then the, the other growth area for us is, is tourism. Uh, we do have the uh, project that the board approved, uh, uh, upscale glamping uh, 144 units awesome. in a rural area with a spa and uh, a pool and restaurant to serve when did, that. When Were you surprised by the resistance with that? Yes, I was. I mean, I was shocked. I, That's so, perfect. To me, you know, if tourism, I know that people... You know, the, the argument was you don't know who's going to stay there. Uh, but we, we've got a similar to... Uh, they spend their money and they leave. leave. That's exactly right. You want people to come to your area to spend the money in your county and to leave, which won't impact your schools. It won't right. impact... Any, you know, your traffic is, is minimal. Uh, you know, of course, people who, are, who have property that surround that development, I understand they don't want it beside them. That I get. But the rest of the community, we had people from all across the county in opposition to that project. In fact, the first meeting at the PAC at, at the uh, high school, I think I was the only one that voted for it. We had uh, several, probably close to 100 different people, 60 to 80, that spoke on the project. And a majority of those people were in opposition to the project. Uh, and I'm not sure why the developer or of this project was going to buy all the food, or at least most of the food, from the local farmers. And if you don't give the farmers a place to sell their products, the farmers will no longer be farmers. And that will develop into farmers selling their property to developers who will take their, their rural areas and all of a sudden you have homes there. So they had a market for their products. Um, they were going to employ local citizens, which means that the citizens could stay in Greene County. But they were simply, you know, the people who are coming here. It's going to attract the wrong type of individuals. We don't want that people in our community. Um, and, you know, we had the same opposition with Airbnbs. Mm -hmm. yeah. We had the Airbnbs in R1. And 
a good point is I asked my wife, and, and we live in our one area, and I said, okay, are you in opposition to somebody who has an Airbnb in a neighborhood? And she looked at me, she goes, how would I know? You wouldn't, unless somebody creates a problem. Sure. Um, but that problem would happen if you rented the house out for exactly. long term, right? Exactly. It is. It's going to happen no matter what. I, I have problem. a more pragmatic viewpoint. <laughs> really? It's simply the... Um, <laughs> I um, I... I own property. I don't like to see things that I don't like built near me, but I don't own that property. Right. Yeah. If I had Keith or Jerry rights. money, I'd, I'd buy it maybe, but since I don't have Keith or Jerry money, I have to allow that person to do what they want. Just like It's called property rights. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. I don't want you telling me what to do on my property. You know, I understand there are certain things that can impact the community, so there's certain places for, for certain types of activities. But if they're doing something that's allowed... More power to them. I can hate it privately. My wife and I can complain about it in our living room, but I would never say anything about it in public because that's their right. Yeah, here comes yeah. the saying. I know a couple people that might want to do some projects around your property. They said, yeah, we don't want to be next to Jim. <laughs> so it's a two-way street, buddy. That's fair. two-way street. Tip of the cap to uh, Brent Wilson of yeah. uh, the Free Enterprise Forum, yeah. who covered the uh, glamping uh, policy very closely for the Free Enterprise Forum. Um, what, how, how about this one that's come in here? Are the gentlemen on the panel concerned that Greene County's affordability in comparison to Albemarle and Charlottesville are going to lead to the type of growth that are going to push out the Greene County citizens that have been there their entire life? Uh, They're basically, this person's, yeah. Leslie's yeah. saying Albemarle and Charlottesville are getting so expensive that it's pricing out pretty much everybody besides the upper class. And yeah. folks still want to live in the area, so they're now scooping up real estate in Augusta and Waynesboro and, and Greene County and Fluvanna. I mean, it's, it's a concern. I mean, I'm not going to say it's not, because the, you know, what you're saying is true. People come in, and getting back, if I have a piece of, uh, of a farm, let's say i got a farm, and I'm not selling a product, and somebody comes, comes in to offer me a, a chunk of change for it, and I'm at a point where I can retire or not, I'll sell that property, and now it's either owned by an individual who can afford that property, build a nice large home on that property, and they'll probably, that property's probably a lot cheaper than they could afford in Northern Virginia. Um, we've seen that quite a bit. I've seen mm-hmm. individuals who have moved here from Northern Virginia, uh, from California to Greene County, who have sold their smaller homes and bought larger homes. So it, I would probably be lying if say it's not a concern. The question is, what do you do? to make sure that does not happen. And that's where the comprehensive plan comes in. That's why you try to follow the comprehensive plan. That's why a political body needs to understand the comprehensive plan. They need to understand what they're voting on, and they need to be sure they understand their project being presented to them before they cast a vote. You mentioned, what was that word you said? Property rights. Property rights. Well, yeah. um, property so, rights matter. So <laughs> people are putting look them. at the options. It's the, well, the code, because of property rights, doesn't allow government to prohibit growth. So growth is coming. Mm-hmm. If you put it in your growth area where you have the infrastructure to serve it and you can serve it in the least expensive way to the taxpayers, that's the best strategy. We've seen communities that put up barriers, add layers and layers and layers of red tape, and Thank it you. gets prohibitive. That drives people out faster. That drives your, your longtime residents out faster because 
that jumps the real estate price up. When you have no inventory, it's, it's supply and demand, right? Uh, how expensive did everything get two years ago when you couldn't buy anything because nothing was being made? I think uh, he's talking about Elmore County over there. Could, I think could, he's talking could about Elmore County. But, but, but I'm going to segue into that. 2017, the median sales price, single-family detached, no new construction mm-hmm. in your county, was 237 we, as of today, it's four eighteen. Wow, that's a hundred and eighty-one thousand dollar jump. That's damn close to double. Yes, um, in my book, on that end, not quite, but awfully close. So, to the to the question, we were talking about that earlier. If we don't increase density, that four eighteen is just going to grow. Well, I mean, look yeah. at what Olivia Branch just put, and she is the queen of Keswick. She works for Keswick Hall. She's big in tourism. Bonnaroo, not Bonnaroo, what's it, Lock-in, um, Olivia Branch. Oh, she says, those against tourists are the same that protest affordable housing, tourism. They are saying they don't want teachers, law enforcement, hospital workers living in their neighborhoods. Those are our neighbors that qualify for affordable housing. We need to do this for them. It's a great yeah, comment. I agree with that. I, I can tell you the 23 homes that the Land Trust sold last year with the partnership with Albemarle County did absolutely the right thing uh, and helped us through that. I think with the exception of one, they were all in the service-related, uh, you know, teachers, cops. Frontline workers. That's EMS. what they're called. Frontline workers. There you go. Frontline workers. Thank you. Yeah. Well, so, even you, and, you and do commercial uh, real brokerage. Yeah. You do a real estate. Um, think of communities that are well-known for disregarding or having underfunding or having poor public schools. So it's, it's a big thing to, to, to be against public schools right now, but do businesses and people come to communities that have regarded poor public schools? Education is a key point to economic development. In Green, there was a lot of investment, a lot of Rose improvements. Rose is a perfect example of that. Yeah. Yeah. They go for the schools. Yeah. yeah. He's 100% right. So when, when a buyer walks in looking for something, looking for help us to, to buy a home for them, it used to, first question used to be, particularly if it was a, had children, school, 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 right. schools. Number one is, you, number one is broadband right now, right? They, do, you have, do they have broadband? What's the upload? What's the download speed on, down on it? Then the second, again, if they're not of a certain age, it's schools. the schools. And then if they're the certain age, it's not so you know it's not such an important thing to you them. Have great grandkids that go to school, right? Uh, yeah, but not in this area. <laughs> you say great grandkids? <laughs> he did. You know, it's funny. I, I you realize it. I got I hearing it. aids on, and sometimes what? yeah. <laughs> oh, Jim, that was good. Yeah, Jim, I'm going to make you wear the hat, Jim. <laughs> I like it. I love it. I love it. That would be a kind gesture. Yeah, yeah. That would was, be the kind gesture. Yeah. Oh, well done. Yeah. Well played. Give uh, a, you should hold the hat up so you know what. Go ahead, Dale. Go there. ahead. Yeah, a quick, quick, quick point I'll make. A lot of people who move to the area a lot of times don't check on their broadband, but after they move in, then they call us up and say, we don't have broadband. And it's like, I don't know if you've had that a lot recently. Uh, it's changed because we, knew we will have broadband. But we've noticed that in the past where residents move in from an area that has broadband. They never checked it with their, their buyer or their, their agent. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to disparage anybody yeah. in my industry. Yeah, but, I'm not either. But, 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 that's the, but that's the number one thing you want to look at. Yeah. We're helping a, a buyer out in Nelson County because Nelson County has freaking internet. Jesse Rutherford. <laughs> right. Jesse's watching. Right. Jesse Rutherford. We love you, Jesse. We'll say it one more time. Jesse we're, Rutherford. We won't go that far. We'll we, say we, we like him. <laughs> he pays us to say with that. Oh, is right? that what it, okay, okay. I see how it works. All right. Uh, but, but 
th- this particular individual worked for IBM up uh, in up in DC. So high speed's definitely a young uh, millennial buyer getting married, wants to have a kid, yep. works remotely, found a piece of prop home in the mid threes, right? Okay, I make enough money, it works. I got high speed internet, mm-hmm. I'm done. Yeah. But we were getting down to the granular of upload and download, and so what we do during the home inspection, we get a, we ask if we can connect into it, and we do some zooming while we're doing it just to make sure it that for that it that it works that works I'm, smart. I'm curious. There's a fear that uh, access to broadband will overwhelm the rural areas. I'm curious to see as it unfolds. I don't understand if it that will. fear. Well, I think I think it can offer an outlet to people who are having to drive to keep their property, yeah. having to do extra jobs to keep their property. If they can stay home and manage the farm more effectively or the property more effectively, you that might help support and save some of the well, land. You also have telemedicine. You also have things you can mean. You know, if you're a farmer, you can manage your property with electronics, with technology. You What's have, your day job? I, I I <laughs> what, what is the fear of broadband he gentrifying the community? What's that fear? Help me understand that. Uh, so there is a, there's a fear that's been expressed to me before and other people I've seen it in, in articles that uh, because people can work anywhere, they'll live anywhere. So if, instead of living in the growth area, they'll just pave over the rural area and live there because now they can't. But, but, but that's what's going to happen if you can't provide that buyer mm-hmm. in the growth area what they want. They will go out that way. You know, broadband is market-driven. The, you know, it, the market wants it. It's going. Right. It's going out there. Uh, I will disagree with you a little bit, Jim. Um, uh, you know, I, I think that's a little lagging COVID thinking. We're starting to see in the numbers that NARS Folks putting going out. Back, yeah. Folks are going back, right? So it's more, we've been talking, Jerry and I, for a long time about this. Eventually, we're going to get kind of this hybrid kind of scenario. So this guy from IBM has to go up to Northern Virginia two or three days. I think it's two days a week, right? Mm-hmm. The, the three Personal other trade. days, he gets right. he gets to work from home. So it's it's kind of a both of the best world. He has to be present for a couple of days and then then goes back and works at works at home. But you know, this whole thing we're talking about is this aircraft carrier that's been full 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 speed, and it may be half, but that aircraft carrier is still moving. And if it's something that big, it takes a long time for it to slow down, and it's moving. How about um, from Neil? Neil's asking good questions today. Um, how's the search for a new Green County administrator? We um, at this point, right now, it's actually going very well. Uh, we have had a uh, hired external firm to bring candidates to us. Uh, we have uh, looked at some uh, candidates that have been brought to us for final review, and then we will have uh, an interview starting um, sometime in the near future. So we hopefully have that process finalized. I'm saying probably within the next. I'm hopeful within the next four weeks. We may have a new county administrator. I know our interim county administrator, uh, she is definitely excited about that. I gave her a hard time <laughs> saying she had not applied for the county administrator position, um, and her name was down the list. So it's actually it's going well. We're very fortunate. We had a lot of people apply. Uh, we had a lot of talented people, and I was surprised at the, the caliber of the applicant. Uh, and we have applicants from all across the country and local as well. And to be quite honest with you, all those that we saw that were brought to us were top-notch. Fantastic. That's a good update. It's a good point to segue, though. Um, You had asked earlier how I do the different interim jobs that I have. 
and it's because we have great staff. So we're also down a finance director right now. So our interim county administrator you that hat too? has done a tremendous amount of work. Deputy interim, interim deputy finance director, yeah, just it's so true. I can sign things. When, when Are you paying people. them any more money? <laughs> I'll negotiate for you 10%. <laughs> but, let's do this. But, but we have a really motivated, active, knowledgeable staff, yeah. and that allows people to pick up and step up when we're, when we're down on You may not want to answer this question. Why, why so much staff turnover? It's, it's not as much as it sounds. Um, the finance director had been in the Green for a number of years, and she retired. She reached retirement. Uh, she, yeah, she, she was able to retire, and I was very happy for her that she was able to retire. Um, so she had retired. The, um, the gentleman that came to, that left uh, for the Water Authority, uh, he, he moved, went back to where he was closer to his home. Uh, he was traveling some. And he, we left on great terms. You have a lot of respect for the individual. So the turnover, uh, a lot of that is, is some of it is just natural occurrence. Sure. Sure. Um, and, of course, our, our previous county administrator, it was very public when that happened. He's now the superintendent of Spotsylvania County Schools. Um, so um, it's not like we have a, a problem with staffing. Um, our staff are probably the most important part of our local government. They're more important to what takes place on a day-to-day basis than any elected official ever will be. When you have only a, a 13 staff to run Parks and Rec, yep. planning and zoning, building inspections, payroll, human resources, administration, accounting, uh, it you know, one person leaving is a big, it's a big impact. Deal. Huge impact. impact. Yeah. Huge in, in, impact on that. So um, let, let's touch water a little bit, right? Just okay. a quick update, right? Because we're going to do 1,800 some odd units, mm-hmm. right? We now have control of, if I understand it correctly, our own water authority. We is will soon. We'll we'll soon. Soon, oh. we hope. Yeah, very soon. The new director's waving his yeah, hand here. Like, not there yet, but very <laughs> soon. And, and to clarify, these places, uh, these uh, homes were actually approved with the existing water supply. Okay, great. So that's, that's you know, they've, they've been pre-approved uh, using current water supply. And you can, I'll let you address the, the time frame because we're very close. Uh, we, we believe we're very close. Uh, some of it is outside of our control. Uh, the attorneys always get involved in these things. Sure. And the attorneys for both sides have been working diligently uh, to identify and get all the deeds and all the paperwork together to transfer the assets. So uh, it appears that everyone will be ready by the 16th of this month to approve the asset transfer documents, all of those, the deeds and everything. From there, depending on that date, uh, we can set a closing date within 14 days of, of when everybody's comfortable. Sure. So if the 16th is the date that we're anticipating, if everybody agrees that we can go ahead and set a date, we're looking, we're, we're being and working to be prepared for the changeover April 1. So, so this is a real estate transaction too, right? Correct. So you're, you're, you're transferring assets on that. But on the operational side, you guys have been kind of been running for a while. Running for a yeah. while so right? we're operating uh, the water plant and the um, and so, the wastewater plant. Uh, you know, the the current staff at, at RSA had allowed us in early, uh, provided training, and uh, so our operators are running both those plants. And they have for some time now, right? Uh, for the last at, at different levels. Now they're they're pretty much completely running the plants. 
Um, RSA is still doing the sampling, and that okay. part of it will take that over. But, the, but yeah, for a month and a half or so. Yeah, and I'll ask the developer question. So how much capacity do we have? How much capacity do we have built in the water and the sewer to grow above this 2,000 or 1,800? So yeah. right now we have uh, 1.15 million gallons per day capacity. Um, we're using somewhere between 700,000, so we're 60 70% capacity. Um, that's seven years at the growth rates that we have. Got it. Uh, we don't want to push it that tight, but um, uh, the construction can begin once we take over. Uh, the construction will be three to five years, and it will be three and a half times the capacity that we so have. So that's going to be jumping it. up to almost four million. Three and a half. Three and a half million. Yep. That's almost With expandability also. Yeah. What about on the sewer side? Uh, sewer side, we are less than 60% on the sewer side. So we have plenty of capacity on the sewer side. So that's and that plant already has space for expansion. For those who are listening, that's super important information. Mm -hmm. So you've got the growth capacity in the systems to grow above that particular number. And that's the reason why I've, I've, I've now switched my, my thinking that green is really positioned well if it happens or not from a rezoning perspective or political perspective is one thing, but from a capacity perspective, it's there. What about the schools? We've got enough capacity to handle that kind of growth? The schools, you know, right now the actual enrollment in the schools has dropped, believe yeah. it or not. So um, that's surprising. So, What do you attribute that to? Um, I think you have probably more homeschooling after COVID. Um, and I think during COVID a lot of people have just done some homeschooling. So I think that's probably a potential uh, there. Um, and also, it, the school population will vary from year to year. You may have a kindergarten class that has a huge number, and then it will kind of drop, you know, drop off. So I think part of that is related to homeschooling. Um, I expect those numbers will definitely come back up. Uh, it hasn't been, you know, but we're seeing drops in certain grade levels, which is a trend over a period of time that the enrollment is currently dropping. So the, the schools was the, the school project we recently did was designed to minimize the cost going forward as the enrollment increased. So we are, we are well aware of the fact that in the Ruckusville area, we're going to need another school. And so that is one of the things that... CIP, though, right? Yeah, so we're looking at that. We're trying to, you know, we're, we're trying to plan for that growth. Ruckusville mm -hmm. area is growing. Uh, we know that's where the next school will need to be. So we're trying to make sure we look, and I know that, you know, you know Mr. Friedel, and staff has been closely monitoring that to try to see what opportunities are out there. I know the superintendent has been closely looking at that as well. Um, and that was what was frustrating to me about one project that came forward. It had 17 acres, I think, that was being donated for, for a school. school. That's right. And the school board came to the board of supervisors stating that this is a perfect location, and they said it's on the right side of 29, Literally, it was on the right side of 29, on the eastern side of 29, yeah. and it would have developed a community where kids could have actually have walked to school. You had a property for a school, and that would have been perfect for future growth. Sounds perfect. Yeah. But, Within uh, three miles of 65% of the population. Sounds yeah. perfect. What so, screwed it up? I, I can't answer that. I, I, I voted for it. Another board member voted for it. Um, there, is this, there was this misconception by a lot of people that spoke it was the changing of 600 senior, or zone for senior homes, to uh, a, a normal subdivision, you will, the mixed population. And some people 
felt like the development would not take place at all, leaving it as it is. And so I think some people had a misconception that it's 600 homes that will never be built. And they were saying, we want to keep that area like it is. We don't want to change. Um, there's also the, the question about traffic and the impacts on traffic. And it came before us again. And right now, it's been deferred for another decision. So developing it again. One of the comments I made, being at that person who is over 60, I much prefer a 30 to 40-year-old driver pulling out into a major highway than 600 60-year-olds, and I hate to be that way, but I know what my reactions are, and I can state that because okay. I'm, in, yeah. I'm in that. I'm in that so, I th so that's just my viewpoint. Now, you've got to respect everybody's viewpoint. It is a political process, um, and you can address that more if you like. Uh, you know, the, there are some fair concerns uh, regarding if it's senior only versus uh, mixed development, there is a higher traffic count with a mixed development than senior only, and there are more school impacts. And I think for those that were were concerned, not, not the people that were confused that if they didn't act that 600 homes would not come, because 600 homes will be built there regardless. Um, it, but, but there were a, a few people that had concerns and fair concerns about a, a slight increase in traffic, and, and that, so their concerns were that it had a bigger impact than they felt comfortable with. And, and to be fair, people who live on that side of 29 have seen some significant traffic backups on 33. And oh, VDOT's yeah. trying to address those issues. So to be fair to those individuals, when they complain about the increase in traffic, those individuals that had that complaint and had valid, and made valid comments were looking at the, tor the, the 33 impact we've already been seeing, especially on Friday afternoon. And so when you're looking at an engineering drawing on page, it's hard to understand that that will actually improve traffic. Sure. But that construction is already underway to make right. that improvement, and it includes the growth for these homes. Right. This is a statewide stat. So according to United Van Lines, uh, what they do is they do a, a, a move in, move out, right? So 2022, state of Virginia, uh, over 55 there was 52% of the folks that moved into our state were the over the age of 55. In 2017, that number was 35%. Wow. Right. Okay. So we jumped from 35% to 52% since 17 to 2022 of inbound my age and up. People okay. retiring in Virginia. Little, little, little south of my age, but somewhere around there and up, who, you know, 55 and over do not have children mm -hmm. in, in most cases, right? Um, that's part of why your schools are decreasing. Most of the buyers coming into your areas are in my county and Nelson County are more like me age-wise. I mean, that's literally what Kevin put in the feed. He goes, people retiring into green, selling their homes in Albemarle and Charlottesville and moving to green and retiring. Right. So I'm going to try for well, future... Well, the affordability is a big factor there. Huge delta there. If yeah. I'm starting out and with two kids, I can't afford the same house that... Someone who's in their 70s, like Keith, can afford. <laughs> he said you got a bag of money because you got uh, no debt on that house. That, that's what he said. He gave you some props there. Uh, well, all love. I heard was 70. He, he gave you love right there. Who was he it? Uh, Chris Fairchild. Right? I love him to death, and, and, and we sometimes don't see eye to eye. When I turned 60, he sent me a text and goes, "Damn, son, I thought you were 60 10 years ago." So. <laughs> Dale, you'll appreciate this from Neil. Neil goes, "Wow, Friedel knows his sewage." <laughs> yes, he does. The, the, slinger's, the Slinger's favorite comment is that some of us are born to sewage and others have it thrust upon us. 
Oh, Neil, you crack me up. You're uh, making me laugh um, from your uh, abode in Green or either your office on Hillsdale Drive. Yeah. Uh, gentlemen, it's 1135. I love when Green is in the house. You guys are just, I'd belly up to any bar and hang out and talk shop with you guys any day of the week. Um, Dale, why don't you take a moment and, and offer some perspective, and then, Jim, you follow suit of why you're so pumped of everything that's happening positively in Green County right now. Green's a great community. I mean, like I said, you, you've mentioned several times it's growing. It's a great place to be. We've got so much potential. We're a small geographical county with a huge potential, and we're just beginning to see that potential take place. Um, our school division is doing great things. Broadband is coming to Green County. We're going to own our own water infrastructure soon and make a charge of that. That's been going on since 1969, and there's been a push, not just that time frame, but over the, probably at least a decade or so, to try to get that back. So we're in control of our own destiny. So we have more control now than we did 10 years ago of what we want to see in Greene County. So what we need to do is to take that control, put, put it to proper use, and make sure we create the community we all want it to be. We want Greene County to be a place that you want to come and visit. We don't necessarily want you to come and stay there, but come visit, spend your money there, and come back home. But if you want to move to Green County, we want you to move to Green yeah, County and have my a place. Is, I'm not allowed to go. <laughs> but, but if you want to move to Green County, have a place where you can move, raise your family, go to school, have a community where you can go to do shopping in Green County. You can walk to where you want to go. We want Green County to be the place that everybody aspires to be. Well, Love it. Well said. That was that was well said. That was beautiful, Jim. You got a, that to follow right there. Uh, mine's simpler uh, opportunity. So in, if we follow the citizens' plans, we can have that opportunity with the least impact possible. In 20 years from now, we'll know whether it was missed opportunity or gained opportunity. We may not know it. Well, well 20 years. <laughs> your kids will. That's true. Our kids yeah. will. Yeah. Well, yeah. time will only tell, right? That's a, you guys are good you know, stewards wow. of green, man. They all went great, then they got real morbid here. <laughs> so, How many generations in green for you? Is it three? No, it's probably more than that. Um, okay. I've had relatives back, I think, as far as, um, if I checked it correctly, 17 or 1800, or early 1800s. That's I've awesome. Had, yeah, so I don't know exactly. So I'm really not going in that county with I, my accent. That's I have awesome. a natural tree, but at least three generations, four, I think, wow. longer. Jerry's that. looking at the three of us and saying, man, I'm going to have to go to three funerals soon. <laughs> no. <laughs> we can do a joint funeral. What the hell? Yeah, yeah, we can do a joint funeral. Really? More not, talk I like about you guys. I was, I was literally going to chime in and try to say, hey, can I get you? Can, can we give this guy a little bit more money? But after that, I don't know I if I want to. I want to go ahead and. Statistically, we're like 80% dead already. Okay. Can I ride home with you? <laughs> no, no. You guys have uh, youthful spirits. I think, I think after that comment, I'm yeah. just going to go to the bar and say, screw it. <laughs> you, hey, you, which bar do you go to? You tell the one right over there. You walk <laughs> to tap, well, you can go to that bar. Yeah. You can go to that bar. Um, all right, Keith Smith, uh, sneak peek for Monday show, my friend. Uh, Monday's Batman and Robin. Just, Ooh, just you nice. and I looking, looking forward to it. Like um, it. Um, Alfred will be back on Monday. Okay, good. Yeah. You know, Alfred did really good remotely today. Alfred's in California. Our director, Judah, is in California. Nothing serious, but he's looking after a great aunt in California right now. He's back in the saddle on Monday. Good man. Yeah, so Monday, uh, just me and you, we're going we're gonna to maybe do some case studies and just have a lot of fun, man. I love it. Thank you guys for coming. Thanks I, for having I, us. Appreciate it. This is a lot of fun. Enjoy. You know, I, I think the world, and just, I, I'd be remiss, uh, you know, all 
local elected officials do a lot of things, but you also do a lot of things. You're on a lot of boards and commissions, and I thank wanted you. to say thank you for all the work that you do for him. Thank you. Appreciate and him, that. forget about. I was going to try to give you more, get him more money, but he's just he just went downhill fast. These guys are fantastic stewards of Green County, guys, and props to Keith Smith for welcoming Jim and uh, Dale to the show. It's a real talk with Keith Smith where we have fun. We take topics that are difficult and we make them approachable and in an entertaining, enlightening, and educational setting. Um, real talk with Keith Smith online at realtalkwithkeithsmith.com. Thank you kindly for joining us on a Friday. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thanks, guys. It. Oh, yeah. Appreciate Probably. it. We have to wait for the mics to get up before we can talk bad about me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, not at all. Nothing bad to say.